0: I'm and this is Love and Is Discontents podcast. In this episode, I want to go to ancient Greece and see what the father of Western philosophy thought love was. Yes, you're right. I want to talk about Plato and Platonic love. Today, when someone tells us they noticed some um, interesting vibes between us and another person, we often dismiss it as being nothing but Platonic love. By that, we mean there is nothing sexual going on between us in a good story, this would immediately raise suspicion, and rightly so, because the question is, is there such a thing as asexual platonic love, and what did play to himself mean? One thing is certain he didn't call it platonic love that'd be quite presumptuous, even for a big shot like him in fact. What Plato talks about when he talks about love is, to begin with, pederastia, an ancient Greek ideal of the love between older men and young boys, which we today see as immoral and repugnant. The word pederastia comes from paiderastia, that is, erastes, an older Athenian male, and pais, a teenage boy. Basically, the quintessential love story features the right sort of an older male lover and the right sort of a beloved boy. Plato discusses love, eros, and friendship, philia, primarily in two dialogues, the Lysis and the Symposium, but the Phaedrus also adds significantly to this discussion. In each work, which has a form of a dialogue with our protagonist Socrates at the center, Someone would claim something, and Socrates would trash their opinions. Did I mention there was often a lot of drinking? How else could one philosophize so freely, and perhaps outrageously, about love and sex? Socrates says in the Symposium, The only thing I say that I know is the art of love, ta erotica. Immediately we see that talking about love is tied to storytelling and language, for Socrates here plays on words. The noun eros means love, and the verb erotan means to ask questions. The art of love is immediately the art of talking about love, or at least asking the right questions. In the Lysis, talking to Hippotheles, we find out that they both love beautiful boys and philosophical discussions, but Hypothalese has a hard time talking to his beloved Lyses. He sings eulogies to Lysis, and Socrates thinks no skilled lover would ever do that, because everything you've said and sung turns out to eulogize yourself as victor in having won such a boyfriend. If this conquest fails, then the greater your praise of his beauty and goodness, the more you will seem to have lost, and the more you will be ridiculed. Now someone who is wise in the art of love, ta erotica, doesn't praise his beloved until he has him. Socrates then offers to chat up Elysis to show Hippotheles how it's supposed to be done. Cheeky, right? The main thing I want to emphasize is that love in Plato's work is a discussion. It must be demonstrated rather than simply explained in abstract philosophical terms. We have to have a stage, a conflict that drives the story, one character desiring another, but unable to get him. At the end, Socrates says, This is how you should talk to your boyfriends, Hypothelis, making them humble and drawing in their sails instead of swelling them up and spoiling them as you do. So here, love is not just a desire, but also that which creates the ideal lover and the ideal beloved. Socrates courts the boy in a sense by offering him what he doesn't have. In this case, the art and craft of philosophy. The boy provides that which the old man doesn't have. Youth, beauty, happiness, etc. Love becomes a boosted desire for that which one doesn't have. A certain form of hunger, regardless of what the object of desire is. The ultimate goal in these relationships seems to be the love of wisdom. Interestingly, the philosopher's body is supposed to be identical to his virtues and his wisdom. Does it mean that to talk about philosophy is like passional sexual intercourse? Perhaps also vice versa, to make love is to philosophize. At the same time, erotic love seems to mess up any rational desire for consistency and intelligibility, as well as the ability to tell a coherent story. Agathon says, at one point, I didn't know what I was talking about in that story. The concepts we use to tell love stories must themselves be coherent. This means that they must be the concepts uh, the true lover uses uh, once he has seen the beauty of the platonic universal forms. If they are not, they will be incoherent, and the lover who employs them will find himself embroiled in a love story he does not understand. This incoherence is overcome with the ideal guide, that is, the older lover philosopher. So, terms and conditions apply. Despite being a master of the art of love, Socrates seems in need of much development. He seems to have lost the plot a bit. In the symposium, it is Diotima who teaches him that what he really needs is Plato. Love stories, however inadequate as theories of love, are nonetheless stories, logoi, items that can be analyzed. Precisely because they are manifestations of our loves, and not just cool bits of theorizing, we are invested in them a lot more. They are therefore tailor-made, in one way at least, to satisfy the Socratic sincerity condition, the demand that you say what you believe. Now, Most stories of love in Socratic dialogues are of love's delusions which show the power of love to create delusive images. and The highest love, or philia, as in the very word philosophy, the, the love of wisdom and beauty is not supposed to be delusional. But it still ought to be passionate. It is still a desire for something one doesn't have. In this case, the access to the true, the good and the beautiful. The point The final goal of a love story is for the lover to move from overvaluing his beloved to valuing them appropriately. Now, maybe beauty and virtue are the goals, but valuing appropriately is still valuing. The object of desire is still included in the class of desirable, beautiful bodies. This is why the love itself has to change. And that means that psychological resources beyond the sexual desire have to come into play. In short, when the beloved's physical bloom fades, they will still be loved. In other words, love must be this progress from uh, beautiful bodies to beautiful souls. The lover does that precisely by arranging for his beloved to grow up and enjoying them in the contemplation of true beauty. In the Phaedrus, we find a more detailed account of the psychology and art of love. In Socrates' view, love is the madness of a man who, on seeing beauty here on earth, and being reminded of true beauty, becomes winged. Enraptured with a desire to fly, but unable to take off, the lovers look upwards like birds and stop paying attention to things on the ground. This is what makes them look mad. What makes his madness a divine gift is that this movement upwards involves a recollection of some accent taken in the company of a god. So, for instance, the followers of Zeus apparently choose someone to love whose uh, soul resembles their patron god. That is someone naturally disposed to philosophy and leadership. In contrast, the followers of Aries adopt a lower way of living, not philosophical, but honor loving. The love that is divine madness is supposed to be a good thing, especially when accompanied by philosophic, philosophical discussions, erota metaphilosophon logon, it leads to the beautiful itself and the other forms, which are what we truly love and crave. So, Plato starts by devoting a lot of space and drama to the notion of pederasty and examining eros, but according to some modern interpreters of Plato, eventually the direction seems to be that of the love for wisdom, beauty, and virtue. This love is still a desire for what one does not have, but it seems shaped in a somewhat different way than pure eros. Maybe this departure from, or at least a revision of the Greek idea, is why the notion of platonic love came to mean a movement away from erotic love. What's important for this podcast is the fact that, generally, Plato shows his ideas and his love for wisdom through a series of stories, and he evokes many narratives we can assume his audience would know quite well. Some stories... um, Tragedies, they involve love found in the kind of life that comes as close as possible to the Divine, in which happiness comes from having good things forever. Other love stories are comedies, which deal with lesser kinds of love. Some are satis, or genital farces, But as the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy will have it, the true story of love, the story that is Plato's Symposium itself is the story of all these stories. If you want to hear more on this topic, please join me next time on Love and His Discontents when I discuss Greek love in more depth with Professor Peter Adamson from the University of Munich, the host of the podcast History of Philosophy Without Any Gaps. Until then, much love from Stockholm.